Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Eagles Live podcast. As we get ready for, well, we get ready for all kinds of action in a wild and crazy eight-day span during which the Eagles will play their final preseason game, cut the roster from 90 players to 53 players, establish a practice squad, and then open the NFL's regular season on September 6th against Atlanta at Lincoln Financial Field. Along the way, who knows? Howie Roseman could pull off a trade or three. The team could announce who will start at quarterback against the Falcons. Falcons, all sorts of craziness could follow as the season is finally here. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining us on what's a really, really busy Eagles Live podcast. Quarterback Christian Hackenberg. Who would have ever thought we'd be talking about Christian Hackenberg? Well, he looks forward to his first Eagles preseason performance. We're going to hear from him and about his wild journey here in the NFL. We're also going to go around the locker room and talk to some players about their jersey numbers and what those numbers mean to the players. The voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, is here to begin his 2018 Merrill Minute. And we cornered some fans and asked them to talk about their Super Bowl experience, how it changed their lives, and what kind of expectations they have for 2018. But first, Eagles football and the end of the preseason. Starters aren't going to play on Thursday night when the Jets visit Lincoln Financial Field for the 7 o'clock kickoff, but there is good news on the starters front as defensive end Brandon Graham, running back Corey Clement, and wide receiver Nelson Aguilar all back at practice and on target for Atlanta. Wide receiver Matt Collins should be good to go. Running back Jay Ajayi is optimistic he'll play. Wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey is is, quote, progressing well, end quote, according to head coach Doug Peterson. A lot more will be clear after the Eagles play on Thursday and then reduce the roster to 53 on Friday and Saturday. The practice squad, very important, will be in place on Sunday. And the Eagles, by that time, will get well into their week preparing for the Falcons, the team they defeated in the NFC's divisional playoff round in January, on the way to winning Super Bowl 52. We'll talk about the Falcons in depth next week. For now, let's hone in on the Jets and the preseason finale. I know, I know you're all looking forward to September 6th, but there is a game to play and there are jobs on the line. Players are on the roster bubble. There's a lot of tension at the Novacare Complex. More than three dozen players who have been here working hard since March are going to be out of jobs in a matter of days. It's the toughest time of the year, and coaches and players feel the pain. Tight end Zach Gertz knows how tough it is for teammates he's grown close to in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's a unique week in the sense that we're at 90 guys. The roster at this point a couple years ago was at 75, so there were two cuts, so you kind of already had the feeling of a cut, whereas now it goes from 90 to 53. So, you know, family is a huge part of this organization, and unfortunately there's going to be 37 guys that aren't a part of the initial family. You know who the core guys are going to be, but it's the young guys that there's a lot of stress. I mean, it's the NFL. This is their dream. And unfortunately, on Friday, there's going to be 37 on this team plus another 31 teams. So that's almost a thousand guys getting cut. And that's tough for anyone. And they have their dreams. They have their goals. But at the same time, they got to just trust the process, do what they've done, show what they've done. And this isn't this week is going to be the final decision. This has been something that's gone on all off season, all training camp. So they shouldn't put added pressure on them just because this is possibly the last time they're putting on an Eagles uniform. This is something that's been a culmination of things. So I feel for them for sure. I know the stresses of playing this game are enough, let alone one with the burden of possibly not being here, but they're all pros. They've been pros since I got here. As for the team perspective and the game outlook that coach Doug Peterson wants to see in this fourth 
preseason game, some positions that need clarification as the Eagles reach the 53-man roster limit this weekend. It's not about winning the game. It's about finding the best 53 players and executing in game situations. Obviously, these young receivers, not only making the 53, but we're looking at guys for also for practice squad. You know, this is a good time for these young guys to make a really good stand. And, you know, another one that hasn't gotten a lot of touches in ball games is Josh Adams as a runner. So want to maybe get him involved in this game a little bit early and see what he can do. He's another one that's a bright spot, young player that's, that's made an impact. Really, right now, it's just about seeing these guys one last time in this type of environment. You know, when things are kind of flying around and, you know, they didn't get a lot of snaps last week. And so just want to make sure that as personnel, staff, coaches, we're doing our due diligence that when we eventually get to the 53, that we're not missing anybody. I think now there's definitely a shift with the amount of starters that don't play. What you're seeing is more and more teams are combining practices, you know, for camp, which takes the pressure off of playing in a game. They can get the work done in practice where it's a little more controlled, probably a little more less injury in a controlled situation. I think that's a trend that you're seeing. You know, we did it a year ago, and I'm always up for that, combining, you know, having a joint practice. But at the same time, I think teams are being smart about, you know, resting their guys for the opener, especially in our case, we're playing on Thursday. So these last couple of days have been big for our starters to get the time, to get the reps, you know, in preparation for next week. Another position to watch is quarterback, where Hackenberg should get some playing time. The Eagles signed him just a few weeks ago, taking a flyer on a 2016 second-round draft pick who flamed out in spectacular fashion in only two seasons with the New York Jets. Hackenberg, the former Penn State star, didn't even play a down in the regular season for a bad Jets team before he was traded to Oakland in the spring. Hackenberg lasted only a month with John Gruden and the Raiders before he was released. The Eagles are taking their look, which should include game time against his former team. Here is Christian Hackenberg, one-on-one, just looking to play well. So what's it been like coming into Philadelphia and learning the system and learning the guys and learning the coaches? Well, I mean, it's been awesome. You know, for me, just to get the opportunity, come back to work, you know, just been trying to take full advantage of it. You know, everyone's been great, been really receptive. I've been able to learn a lot, and it's a great environment. You know, it's a testament, I think, to the way Coach kind of holds a standard over everyone's head, and, you know, the locker room's awesome. Team has just a really good vibe to it, so it's really cool to kind of be part of it right now. Have they been able to work with you on an individual basis? Explain, are they breaking it down from the bottom and working it all the way up mechanics and everything so I did a lot of that this offseason and I think when I came in you know I threw well enough for them to sign me that day so you know there's some things that I've definitely had some conversations with coach Taylor about you know hey just keep an eye on this and I'm sure depending upon what goes on how everything works out it'll be something that'll be a constant conversation in terms of growth and progression moving forward you know for me it's just really about you know getting into a situation where I can really grow and learn and reach out to those avenues whether it be you know fundamentally some footwork things that are maybe be a little bit different here than what I've done in the past, those types of things. But just kind of like take advantage of those opportunities and take advantage of those resources that are provided here. Is it a lot different here than just in terms of mechanics and other places you've been? I mean, I think that it definitely helps with Coach Peterson being an ex-quarterback and Coach Grow and Coach Taylor. Like all those guys kind of understand and they get it and they understand that things work differently for different people and you know being able to kind of build off that. So it's been great. Even the way that they've kind of helped me just catching up with the offense because coming in so far behind, you know, just in terms of reps and meeting time and stuff like that. It's a lot to absorb 
in a short period of time. But they've been great. They've helped me. They've pushed me. They've given me everything that I've needed to do it. And I feel pretty good about it where I'm at, given the time that I've been able to work on it. So, like I said, though, I'm just really enjoying it. It's a process, and the process is fun. Yeah, are you having fun again? I mean, I imagine in the past it was difficult to be in that relaxed, fun state. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think just having some time to kind of reflect on it this past offseason by myself, you know, I think that's ultimately what I just got to get back to doing. And, and like I said, you know, the resources within this building on every level have been great in me kind of getting back to that form. You know, understanding again, I'm 23, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, being able to learn from every scenario and just keep grinding and keep your nose to the grindstone, eventually something's going to pop. As long as you work, I believe in that. So as long as I just keep doing that, you know, I'm confident everything's starting to come along. Has this been the summer where you've kind of been able to catch your breath and really relax and dig into it? Yeah. You know, the amount of time that I put in to just you know, myself in terms of fundamental stuff that I've tried to change, you know, that takes a big burden off of things when you're searching and searching and finally you find something that you feel is really working and you rep it enough to where it's becoming muscle memory a lot faster than you would think. So that helps. And then, you know, then it's just playing ball. So, you know, definitely the downtime helped. It was a good learning experience for me and, you know, something that I never really pictured myself looking back three years ago being in this situation. But at the end of the day, it's something that's going to mold me and something that I'm going to be able to reflect back upon and grow from. Thursday night, possibility of playing. Excited for you? I mean, is that an opportunity that you're chomping at the bit for? I think for me, it's just, like I said, just being able to go out and play again. You know, that's the biggest thing for me and being able to go out and execute and go through some things and be able to actually apply some of this stuff that I've been able to work on in kind of a drill controlled setting, be able to apply it to game reps and even doing it out here at practice and scout team and some other things, some other opportunities. You know, I think it's just one of those things where it's a domino effect and once the first one falls, you know, you start hitting stride and then you start picking things back up and getting back into the swing of things. So I think that's what I'm most excited about is just getting back into the swing of things and feeling good. So just no expectations, just really feeling confident, feeling excited, and I just want to go out and have a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. And what about the Eagles' defense that has played so very well in this preseason? What are we learning about that side of the football? One that has been infused with some veteran additions like Michael Bennett and Haloti Nada is what we're seeing for real. Veteran defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz is taking a more measured approach. I learned a long time ago not to read too much into the preseason, good or bad. There's so many different agendas that go on with teams. I've been on teams that um, the head coach commanded, you have to win this game. We need to establish a winning attitude. I've been on teams where the coach was given mandates, we need to look at individual players and things like that. So some teams that tried to run their whole scheme, some teams that stayed really vanilla. I mean, you see so many teams that play in the preseason. So as a result, I've always had a hard time really reading too much in. guess the answer is we'll see. I think preseason can be fool's gold from thinking that you're a little better than you are. I think that that probably happens maybe a little more than thinking that you're worse than you are. We added a lot of Atlanta periods and OTAs in minicamp. There was some stuff, a lot of our adjustments that we made and things that we've been practicing in training camp have been with an eye toward this game because once we break that last preseason game, you know, the next day is a Monday in a regular season. Even though it's a Friday on the calendar, it's a Monday in the regular season and, you know, that clock starts and Monday is Tuesday, Wednesday, and all those things start uh, creeping up and you don't have, you know, that two-day sort of rest and take your time and get ready and get an extra day of practice the next week. All those dynamics are out the window when you're coming on seven. So we've made up for it and some other stuff. I mean, even last couple days, we've been working a lot of Atlanta-type schemes, but that's nothing that hasn't been occurring all of training camp, particularly defensively, and I can only speak for that. 
I'm Eagles linebacker Jordan Hicks. Picked off at midfield. Hicks and again. Hicks again is second of the game. And you're listening to the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro. Well, what have we learned about the Eagles in this preseason? Some young players from the draft class, particularly tight end Dallas Goddard, are going to contribute immediately. Last year's class has stepped up, namely defensive end Derek Barnett, now a starter, and wide receiver Shelton Gibson, who's been so impressive in the spring and summer. The Eagles have looked great on defense and not so good on offense. And that means what exactly? Well, here is the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, in his 42nd season to explain this is the Merrill Minute. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl! The Eagles are in the It's Groundhog Day! They do it again! Gordon on the end zone! I don't believe it! This game should be in a museum. You come off of a game like the Cleveland game and you're concerned because the Eagles scored nothing, absolutely nothing. It was offensive ineptitude. And then you wonder, is there something wrong with this team? Should you really be concerned? Because this is the Super Bowl championship team. And then I watched a lot of games over the weekend, a lot of teams who will be good teams this season. And what I saw by and large was a mess. I mean, these teams during the preseason are not playing decent football. And for years, we used to hear about the third preseason game being the dress rehearsal. Well, I said to Mike Quick on the broadcast that the term dress rehearsal used to be before a Broadway show opened and the director would come in and have everyone in costume. I said, if this was a dress rehearsal, the director would be upset because nobody knew their lines. But then you think about the fact that the starting wide receivers aren't there. The starting running backs aren't there. There are a lot of components to this offense that will make a big difference to see the real Real Eagles tune in September 6th. Now it's time for some fun. The players are more than just the names on their backs and the logo on their helmets. They have jersey numbers, and those jersey numbers mean something, and in some cases, those numbers mean a lot. I asked a handful of players why they wear the jersey numbers they have. Some of it is by choice, and some of it isn't. Let's go around the locker room and find out. It's kind of cool. I wore a three in high school, you know, so when you go to the pros, usually guys throw like an eight in front of it, but you know the new wave is to go into the teens. So I think it's kind of cool to be 13. It's amazing, you know. Definitely looks better on me than 17. I'm proud of 13. I like it a lot. You know, 17 was a great number. It was a number that, you know, that I liked because of a buddy wore it, but it wasn't something that I naturally really wanted. So 13 is pretty dope. Steve Nash was 13, great point guard. You know, some receivers like Stevie Johnson back in the day, and um, Keenan Allen wears 13, Odell wears 13. Some good players wear 13. I don't want to rep it, but to me, really, I'm wearing number three, and it just has a one in front of it. So my high school football coach all the time says, it's like he sees number three out there, so I enjoy that. Number 23, Rodney McCloud! Ryan goes back. He's being sacked, and now he's all the way back at the 28, thanks to Rodney McCloud. I did wear the jersey number my freshman year in high school, so I guess it's just a little bit of accountability with that. When I selected a number as a rookie coming into the league, I actually had 38 all the preseason, and then one of my coaches, who actually coached me in high school, but was actually on the staff with the Rams, was like, man, you need to go in immediately and ask for a new number. And you know, me being an undrafted rookie, I didn't know. I thought once you got a number, that was your number for that entire season. So I went in, asked the equipment staff, 
draft, what numbers they had, and I think it was between like 23 and 25. I thought 23 just fit me best since sport before. I think it looks great. Um, you know, a lot of uh, great players that wore that number, obviously. You know, you think of Michael Jordan, LeBron, obviously a different sport, but think of that, you just think of legendary people. Guard number 61, Stephen Wispuski. It's so impressive the job that this offensive line is doing and giving Carson time to survey the field, to pick out his targets. O-line just outstanding. So my dad wore number 61 his first few years of college. They made him switch to 69 his last few years and then he wore 69 in the pros but when I had time to you know choice to pick a number back in high school I don't want to pick his number because you know I don't want to be him but I want to be like him so I picked 61 and honor him and wore it all through high school wore it all through college and wore it all through the NFL and love the number and proud to represent my dad with my number and the name on the back of my jersey it's definitely a less commonly used number I'm not sure exactly why but I don't know I've been wearing it so long that I love it you know personally and I kind of identify with it you know it kind of symbolizes me it's been a part of me for a long time now. It's definitely a hard work and classy number and uh, try to represent that. Cornerback number 31, Jalen Mills. He's in for the touchdown. Jalen Mills, magnificent. 31 teams, you know, passed up on me. You know what I mean? Regardless of my situation coming out of college, Eagles took a chance on me. So when I got the chance to pick out my number, I had three numbers. It was 31, 36, and 37. So, I mean, it, I felt like it was just 31 was perfect fit. The plan, you know what I mean? For sure, you know, anytime, you know, I may get to a high point like, you know, the Super Bowl, or I may get to a low point like when I was a rookie, you know, coming in, you know, trying to make the team. I think it'll always be a humbling thing for me. Finally, I'm going to turn it over to you, the fans. We've all been on quite a ride since February 4th when the Eagles won their first Super Bowl. Seven months later, it's just about time to turn the page and focus on 2018, right? 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 Well, I asked a handful of fans to tell me about their Super Bowl experiences and about their expectations for the season ahead. This is time for you, Eagles fans. Tim Durkin, Delran, New Jersey. I've been waiting to watch them win a Super Bowl since I was four or five years old, so it was pretty cool, especially to experience it with my dad and give him a hole in his ceiling. I put a hole in my dad's ceiling, actually, when Alshon Jeffrey caught that touchdown, so I had a little bit of a headache. There's like a low point in the basement. It's probably only six and a half feet, and when he scored, I didn't realize where I was in the basement, and I went right through the drywall. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, they're going to win. They'll win a lot of games. They'll get in the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens from there. Joe Coyne from Yardley, PA. It was awesome. Once in a lifetime. I never thought I'd see them win in my lifetime. That was great. It's been ecstatic. I mean, now we went from being perennial losers to winning, and, you know, it's just contagious. All the other teams have kind of caught that fever, and, you know, the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies, they all look like they're on the upswing. Well, I expect with Carson Wentz back that they're going to be as good or even better, and they improved the team through the draft through some free agent pickups, so uh, I have high expectations for this year. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think my heart could take another Super Bowl championship. Julie Pesner from Wilmington, Delaware. Oh my gosh, it was absolutely incredible. First of all, my whole family and I have been waiting our whole lives for the Super Bowl win, and my parents are 82 years old, and it got to the point where conversations were that they didn't think they were going to live and see a Super Bowl. And the fact is, which always makes me cry to this day, is that we all were able to celebrate the Super Bowl together. They weren't healthy enough to go, but my brother and sister and I were, and it's just been the greatest experience ever. I'm just so excited. I'm still flying high, and I'm really excited that we'll do well. So, playoffs and hopefully Super Bowl, but at this point, I'm just flying high. 
Mark Sorelli, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Changed my life by uh, vindicating all like <laughs> the people who said they couldn't do it. <laughs> it was a great day. And uh, my Super Bowl experience, uh, man, I remember watching it and uh, the whole run-up was amazing, you know? And I think the best part was that it was, like, doing it against the Patriots, you know, one of, like, the most hated, you know, by all Philly fans. <laughs> and it was just great to do it and not have any, like, you know, it was it was just meant to be, you know? It was, like, it was a magical year, I think, and it just, it was, it was meant to be and ended a, a proper way with the Super Bowl. And I remember watching it and being, like, moved. <laughs> yeah, it moved the tears, you know? Like, in ways that I didn't think uh, was possible. <laughs> but it happened, you know? It was great. It was a great day. Oh, they're going to win again. Hands down. I don't see any problems. I think we got our both awesome quarterbacks back. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, that's a testament. You know, I think that's going to be good. Bob Horner, Warrington, PA. So um, I went to the Atlanta game, and when Matt Ryan threw the incomplete pass, uh, my buddy was sitting next to me, and he chest bumped me, and I fell into the railing and broke two ribs. So I was in agony for over three weeks. So it came a week before the Super Bowl, and everybody was, you got to go, you got to go, you got to. So I ended up decided to go at the last minute. Phenomenal. It was like I'd never seen so many grown guys crying and leaving pictures of their dad and their uncles, people they went to the games with, under the seats at the stadium. And you're sitting in Minnesota, and somebody comes walking up the a friend of mine sitting two rows behind me. I didn't even know he was going to the game. Something I waited for my entire life. I don't remember. I remember 1980, obviously, and 2004, which were big disappointments. But I was around in 1960, but I don't remember. I'm pretty excited, but I wouldn't be disappointed if they didn't win back-to-back -back Super Bowls. I mean, I'm hoping they do, but, you know, everybody's gunning for us, but maybe we will. Mike Lewandowski, South Philly. Well, like anybody else, my father was the season ticket holder back in the 60s, and we've had season tickets since then. And he passed away a few years ago, so it was a family thing, and it was kind of emotional. It was a football game, but there was a lot involved in friends and thinking back to the past and going to the gates of Franklin Field, and it brought back a lot of memories. Well, everybody's walking around, you know, with a glow and, you know, walking around and say, hey, we're champs. So and now it's good that we got to defend the title, So, which everybody's looking for us to beat us, but now we're the champs and they're going to knock us off. Repeat. That's it. Repeat. And that will do it for this Eagles Live podcast. We are back following the Eagles-Jets game on Thursday night with the Instant Reaction Eagles Live podcast. So tune in late Thursday or early Friday as you get ready for your holiday weekend. Thanks so much to Brian Thomas for putting this all together. Thanks to you for tuning in each and every episode as the Eagles finish up the preseason against the New York Jets. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles fly.